welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein, and as always, I am joined by London. From the shadows, we are joined by Shadow Adam. We don't know if he'll say anything, but he is here lurking. History of the Batman with London is produced and engineered by Mason Booker. We are here live at Meltdown Comics. And at Meltdown Comics, not only can you buy comic books, but you can enroll in Melt U. This is the school at Meltdown where they teach you the skills to make comic books. Some of the current classes include drawing comics for kids, creating comics, and the art of inking. Go to MeltComics.com. Click on the link of Melt U and enroll now. It is fun. My kids do it and they love it. But let's get to Batman. London, how you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Good, good. We've <laughs> just come off the Batman Superman movie debut. Yes. And we're not going to talk about it. We're not. We might save that for another episode. Yes. We don't want to spoil it for exactly. anybody. Exactly. We don't. <laughs> But you are smiling still. <laughs> so there was, must have been something good. Of course. But if Batman's involved, there's, there's always something good. Always something always. good. So. so you are here today <laughs> yes. to talk about some very important story. Uh, maybe it's a very important story in the Batman mythos. Is that yes, correct? Yes, I am. So, and I've mentioned the story a few times in in different episodes on the podcast, but we've never really spent time and delve into the details and talked about the importance of it. I think and de dedicated one show to it. Well, so we're about to dedicate. Yeah. <laughs> so what are we dedicating this show to? We are talking about Alan Moore and Brian Boland's Batman: The Killing Joke. There's also a John Higgins. Yes, John Higgins did the colors for the original, yes. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it now is because of the recent news that an animated film is being created based off of this story, and the voice cast was announced, and Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are going to be voicing Batman and Joker, and as we've discussed before, and as you probably know, that they are the Batman and Joker from Batman the Animated Series and different animated shows. And for many, including myself, like the greatest duo of these characters. So seeing or going to see them in this adaptation of perhaps one of the best Joker stories I think that's been written and I mean it's my opinion but of course critics have also said this as well and we'll talk about why in this episode I mean it's a, it's a really big deal right. and it's been a long time coming but we ha we I mean we'll talk about it but this book is very violent it's a very dark Batman story right and but it's it it has become one of the most important in his whole history and it's just one it's a one shot it's one book it's not a, a whole arc and at first it was written just as a one shot out of continuity story it wasn't even supposed to be part of the regular story that was in batman detective comics but it was so good that they incorporated right it, it 
got such a huge reaction that they eventually incorporated it just a few months after. Well, let's just talk about the cover real quick. Yes. <laughs> because don't you have a statue? I do. I have a few items in my nerd cave that de- that are dedicated to The Killing Joke. Because for me, The Killing Joke is m- one of perhaps my favorite Batman graphic novel. And that's saying a lot because I, I love all Batman. Right. I mean, isn't that also <laughs> like, exciting, though? Because you started loving Batman based on the animated series. Right. So your favorite graphic novel is now being merged with your favorite Batman medium. Yes. So my mind is just like... Oh. <laughs> so you might actually even like that animated movie more than you would like the live action anything. I know. And it's Is funny. that possible? It might be because I was thinking about this. I said, okay, Dawn of Justice is coming out and that's amazing. We have a new live action Batman and he's with Superman and Wonder Woman, all these amazing characters. And then, but then we have The Killing Joke, which is my favorite book and it's voiced by my favorite Batman and my favorite Joker. And so it's kind oh. of hard to decide, but this might maybe top my top movie this year which wow it might because i'm i am thrilled so then maybe the reaction then that's what i want to hear when you first heard about batman superman donna justice versus when you first heard about killing joke animated movie oh what where did you oh the where does oh killing joke was was way up there more than it was i'm not even going to lie because we heard the announcement from from uh, bruce tim during uh this past san diego comic-con and he announced that there were going there's going to be an animated feature of this movie and i freaked out Mm. i was so excited i was like i can't believe it i'm like i didn't think they would ever make a movie about this story because it was so dark and i know that the the Warner Brothers animated universe for DC, those movies themselves, they are much darker than other films that we've seen. I mean, now with Donna Justice, it's kind of toe-to-toe. It's right there. But before, the animated features, they did make those PG-13. They did make them darker. They're not just kids' movies. Right. I mean, looking at just all the different movies that have come out so but i never thought that they would make a killing joke even though even mark hamill said that if he was ever going to come back as joker this is the joker story he wanted to voice wow so it's i mean that's this is pretty awesome then because when you think about all you have read all you have watched Mm -hmm. all you have played all you have collected (laughs) This is your dream Batman story (laughs) delivered in the way you love the most. Yes. I want that. (laughs) Damn, do I want that. I want something like that. Well, what would be yours? I don't know. I mean, it's pretty close to Netflix Daredevil. Right. That is a really good series. Yeah. I I wouldn't mind seeing an animated Daredevil. Mm Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Sort of like how Dark Spawn was when that animated oh, show okay. came out. Yeah. Something like to that effect. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm i pretty happy right now with the Netflix Daredevil. Yeah. So anyways, let's though get back to your trinkets and your collectibles yeah. <laughs> that we uh, were talking about. Yes. I do have a lot of different uh, collectibles about Killing Joke. I have a 
beautiful uh, statue that's actually based off of the cover that we're going to talk about. That's a, it's a really nice killing joke artifacts statue. It's, it's beautiful. Um, and even, and even with us now in the studio, I have my copy of the first edition killing joke which has the original coloring and what i mean by that is um when the book first came out and as adam said that john higgins he also was he did the colors on this book and brian boland was the pencils and the inks but there's a different color palette it had which i personally i think it's because of me loving pop art like I do but the color palette is much different than the deluxe edition that came out a few years ago that was an anniversary edition that Brian Bolin put out and he did the colors and it has a much more subtle yet really chilling power to it the colors aren't as bright or as colorful there's not a lot of orange hues and purples and greens and things like that he kind of played with the different grayscales and put red into certain scenes with flashbacks looking at joker and and so if you compare so i know a lot of people have the deluxe edition which has the original story then it has an extra story in the back and it's different than this 1988 version because this originally came out March 1988. Um, but I personally love the colors. So I have that. So that's one of the first ones. Right. And I have the deluxe edition. And I just have different prints that I've had that I have received from different artists that have paid homage to this book. My favorite, which is actually my home screen on my phone. It's it's by Dustin Wynn, who's one of my favorites, and he did a Batman Joker, one of the panels where Batman's grabbing Joker and there's ha ha ha's in the back and it's one of the it's on the last page of the story and he did his own rendition of that so I have different prints and I have statue and I also have which was a present I have a CGC uh, Batman killing joke which was signed by Brian Boland so yes I I I am not lying that this is my personal favorite Batman book um that statue you have, though, that's the Joker taking a picture. Right. Just like the cover. Yes, just like the cover. That must be an awesome yes, statue. Yes, and he has, like, the the purple coat and the purple hat and the gloves, and he's holding the camera, and he still has that grin, and the ha- green hair is curled over his face just, right? I mean, it's just, it, the details is amazing. But, yes, the cover is now, this cover is iconic. I mean, if you type in Joker pictures or Joker, that'll be one of the first ones that'll come up. And I, I'm excited even for like the animated movie. What will the animated, uh, what will the cover to the film be? What will the cover art be? Will it be this? Will it be Joker holding up the camera, but in an animated form? I'm so curious as to these panels and these pages and these iconic images that are in this book, what will be remade either exactly or something in the animated film. There, I'm just so excited for this. But yes, the cover itself is definitely probably one of the most popular Joker images now among many um but yeah if if you haven't read the killing joker don't understand why it is so important it's i think now it's remembered for two major things one giving joker a backstory because 
the only time i mean with joker even over the years even when he was introduced in 1940 and even almost 50 almost 40 years later you don't really have a set origin story um we've talked about it before but the only one that we know of which was introduced in um a detective comic story in february 1951 it's the man behind the red hood and this look at joker or how he transformed into joker he was a small criminal and he wore this red hood costume which had originally black bow tie suit and he had this large red helmet on and he was in ace chemicals or a chemicals factory and he was tangled up fighting batman and within the red hood suit he fell into this large vat of chemicals and he emerged with his skin transformed white and his hair green and he has a greenish evil smile and he literally turned crazy from this accident and he became joker and in the original 1951 detective comics book it was because the factory was also a playing card factory so that's where he got the name joker from because of the playing card so this has been his unofficial only really backstory that we are given with joker because reading joker stories you know that he is a very chaotic confusing at times character you don't i mean we never really was we we weren't given a name he's always been joker it wasn't until really the michael keaton tim burton 1989 movie batman that jack napier or napier came into the picture that name because Mm. joker didn't have a name before and that's a year after this book came out and even in this book we aren't he doesn't have a name right even when we know about his backstory before he's transformed into the joker he's still an unknown person and yet this book gives a different retelling of that red hood story that was in 1951 but we see joker as a failed comedian he is trying to make money to support his wife and she is carrying their first child and he wants to be a comedian he wants to tell jokes but he isn't he isn't getting any jobs or gigs and he's feeling really down upon himself but his wife is supportive of him and he's just trying to do right by his family and so he gets tied up into this petty crime where he used to work at a chemicals factory and he's reached out to go into the factory and to let these crooks in and he decides well I need to do this because I can get a lot of money and I can help support my family and so he decides to do this but shortly after he discovers that a tragic accident has happened and both his wife and the child she was carrying has died and so he is struck with just automatic grief and he doesn't know what to do and he doesn't even want to be involved in the criminal criminal acts anymore and then the crook said he can't get out of it and he decides well I have to go and do this job and when he gets there he's dressed up in the red hood costume that was back in 1951 and that's when we see an early version of Batman and he comes and they have the same type of fight squabble and he falls into the vat of chemicals in the red hood outfit and then he emerges and 
his hair is different his skin is different and he starts laughing uncontrollably and that is a transformation of joker so this backstory it makes the reader know a little bit more about him we don't know his name but you know that he was a regular guy who was quote-unquote normal and he was just trying to work trying to support his family then all of these horrible events happened in a span of a day seemingly and it made this sane man into an insane criminal Mm. and the point of that is Joker now wants to prove after dealing with Batman over the years and Commissioner Gordon and all of the people of justice within Gotham, he wants to prove that it can only, you can take one really horrible day to turn the most sane noble man into to crazy to becoming insane and so the book itself it goes back from the present into flashback so we've discussed the flashback but the book starts with batman at arkham and he's coming to visit joker and he's starting to say that they have been doing what they do this back and forth this good versus evil this whole dynamic for a long time and batman is really trying to figure out if this is what it's going to be like or if it's going to end and Batman discovers that Joker isn't in Arkham he has escaped he has someone sitting in for him that's wearing the makeup and then we see that Joker in the present day has bought an abandoned amusement park and has and he has plans for it and that's when we have we go back and forth from the flashback but the other part that's the most memorable now of this book and another reason why I say that it is a very dark graphic novel even whether it's Batman or really one of the most dark comics within the DC uh, mythos but it's because Joker when he's on his plot to try to make the most sane man insane he goes to Commissioner Gordon's house where his daughter Barbara Gordon is and of course at least at this point everyone knows that Barbara Gordon is Batgirl and Joker comes to the house and Barbara opens the door and Joker shoots Barbara. And those panels just from Joker opening the door, holding the gun, then going to Barbara and the the shocked, horrified look on her face. And then Joker shoots her and she flies across the room and crashes into the table. And Joker's men come and kidnap Um, Commissioner Gordon and Joker pulls out a camera and Barbara asks him why he's doing this and and he says to make a point and he says it's for crime and after that we see Gordon who has been kidnapped and he's at the amusement park that Joker stole the abandoned amusement park and he illustrates to Joker all of these horrible pictures that he's taken of a naked shot bleeding Barbara and so Gordon is seeing some of the worst images I think any father would want to see of their child and Joker is trying to turn Gordon insane he is trying to give him that same horrible day that he experienced when his wife and his child died when he fell into the vat when he became Joker when all of these things happened and I think he's trying to prove that anyone can just turn Everyone has something inside of them that would make them bad, that no one is just can never go insane. Wow. Who is the mastermind behind writing this story? 
Oh, Alan Moore. Right. And yes. tell the listeners about Alan Moore. I mean, because this guy is quite a contributor to the comic book world. Yes, and I know for, for most people, he wrote Watchmen, which came out a little bit before Killing Joke, and even the his paneling style is amazing. Um, but... And so he can he has contributed a lot, like you said. And yes, he did Watchmen, and he was even approached, especially when writing Killing Joke. He tried to figure out what Batman story he wanted to do, and he really wanted to focus on Batman and Joker. He thought those two characters. He wanted to create some story, something that hadn't been done before, yet still paying tribute to this history and so it's not just joker's origin story the red hood origin that's given a more updated look making joker even a more if he, if it's possible a sympathetic character in a sense because all of these tragic accidents happened and yet you can't be sympathetic towards him because he does horrific acts like he shoots barbara and some even say even though it's not illustrated in the book that it was planned that or even thought that maybe he sexually assaulted her after shooting her and all of these horrible things and it's hard to feel bad for a character that can easily commit such acts and then not feel any remorse or it's all part of the plan or it's not part of any plan it's the idea of chaos in all of his doings so it's not just the origin story and it's not just what happened to Barbara and and what that contributes to the Batman mythos, which we'll get into. But it's the idea of Batman and Joker and the relationship that they have. We've discussed that Batman and Joker are like a yin and yang. They are definitely mirror images of one another. And in a sense, from reading this book and after, even in the book, um, after Gordon sees these horrible pictures and Batman... finds tickets that Joker has given him to the amusement park so he knows exactly where to find him. Batman finds Gordon and he says, I'm fine. So Batman, I mean, Gordon hasn't snapped. He hasn't gone crazy, even though he's gone through horrible things. But he says he wants him to get him by the book. So he wants him to find Joker. And so Batman goes to the amusement park. They find each other. They fight. And Batman is trying to even reason with Joker in the end, saying, we don't have to keep doing this. We don't have to keep going back and forth. I can help you. He's trying to even reach to a point because I'm pretty sure after visiting Barbara in the hospital, when Batman finds out what happens to Barbara, that she's been shot and she goes to the hospital and the doctor tells him that she will never be able to walk again. So Joker not only has shot Barbara, but she is paralyzed. And that's one of the reasons why when this was originally written, that it was just, it was it was an Elseworlds of sorts, even though Elseworlds weren't there yet, but it was an imaginary story. It was something that wasn't going to be in the regular continuity because a major thing happened to one of the most popular DC characters at the time. It was Batgirl. And she, if she's paralyzed, and she can't take up that guise anymore. So it, it's that and Batman and Joker and that relationship and that they're both, in a way, they have both had horrible, bad days. If you think about it, Bruce Wayne, when he was young, he witnessed his parents murdered by a random mugger in an alley. And that has all triggered him into becoming the Batman. And then Joker has gone through horrific 
things such as knowing losing his wife and losing his unborn child and then being wrapped up in this whole ordeal and then becoming the Red Hood and falling into the vat and transforming into this monster. And they have both dealt with horrible days and yet Batman turns it into doing good and bringing justice and then Joker turns it into seeing the injustice of the world because all of this happened to him when he was just this seemingly normal guy. So they both have a type of bad day story, but they deal mm. with it in different ways, but they both are just different sides of the coin. Right. I think that Moore really tries to point out in the dialogue and, and Boland definitely illustrates through his work. And, and of course this book became canon and shortly after in like July of 1988, they retired Batgirl. They retired Barbara Gordon, Barbara Kessel's Batgirl special number one. And she wasn't Batgirl anymore. And this incident where Joker shoots Babs and she's paralyzed, this creates uh, John Ostringer and Kim Yale's character Oracle, which debuts a year later in the Suicide Squad comics. And Oracle, as many know, she goes on to help the Batman family and other members of the DC universe, then becomes part of Birds of Prey. And she was, and so Barbara Gordon went from being Batgirl to Oracle and was Oracle for at least the next 25 years until the New 52 when she became Batgirl again. Brought her back. Right. So this story. It's important in different ways, like I said, for a character who, and even in this story, Joker's, his story is unreliable. So him even flashing back and telling the story of his family and how he lost Exactly. It could be completely false, but that's the story we're given. And from the history of the Red Hood, we just will rely that this is probably the most consistent origin story we'll have of Joker. But because of his character, it's, it's, it's hard to even have an origin story for him. I like the fact that he doesn't have a name. I like the fact that we don't really know where he's from or what he's going to do because it makes it even more terrifying for him as a villain. We don't know his next motive or his next steps, but he, but we do know that it's going to be awful for the people of Gotham and he's going to try to outwit, outsmart, and get Batman. But of course, he would never try to kill him because I think they both need each other in that sense. And you definitely see that in the book. And of course the killing joke wouldn't be complete without an actual joke, which Joker tells Batman at the end. And the last page has been debated about for the last 20 years or so that after Joker tells Batman this story, Batman starts to laugh. And you never see Batman laugh. That's one of the things. He's a very solemn person, but then he starts to laugh. Then he grabs Joker, and then it fades into rain and to the ground. And that's the end of the story. So you don't know if after Batman grabs Joker, what did he do with Joker? Right. Did, did he, he? Did he end him? Right. And at, fade. Right. And people say, oh, no, Batman doesn't kill. He would never do that and things like that. But you have to remember when this was originally written, it was supposed to be a one shot. It was supposed to be not within continuity. Batman, of course, could have, he could have killed Joker. We don't really know. And even 
Alan Moore and Brian Boland, when they've been asked this question, they're like, it's up for the readers to decide. It's up for their own interpretation. So we're never really going to get the answer from the creators of whether or not Batman killed Joker after those panels. And I kind of like that. You can decide for yourself whether or not all the horrible things that Joker has done, that what he did to Barbara, did that make Batman snap? That the fact that Joker would say a joke, a literal joke at the end of this whole horrible day that he just can't take anymore and decides okay well you did this to Barbara and you've done this to all of these people that I'm just going to end this right now especially since throughout the book Batman wonders is is this going to end is the back and forth and all of the things that they go that he goes through with Joker is it ever going to end are they ever going to find a common place or are they just going to end up killing each other so the fact that that theme goes on throughout the book and then the ending panel I don't think it would be completely out of the picture if Batman did kill Joker in this considering how it was written but that's why the readers have to go and read it yes I Make their own determination yes I I definitely recommend especially before you see the animated movie which is going to debut at San Diego Comic-Con this year which is in July and they haven't set a a release date yet but i would say it'll be in the fall maybe september of this year so later this year the movie should come out and there you go so yes before you see it you have time right. to pick up this book and you can get it here at meltdown or your local comic shop or order it off amazon you can get the deluxe edition which has the recoloring by brian boland which it's both be both of the books are beautiful works. I personally love the the bright colors in the original, but I love Brian Boland's take on it, especially with the flashbacks, to the colorings to emphasize certain parts of the panels. It's, it's beautiful. Right. So, yeah, it's a great book, and it is important to Batman's history. It is because it changed the life of a very huge character, and it just is also a book that falls into the line of Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. And then um, later in this year, in 88 and then early 89, Jim Starlin's uh, Batman, A Death of the Family, where Joker once again is involved, and he beats and kills Jason Todd, the second Robin. So the in, in 1988 and 1989, those two years, these two arcs in comics they showed a much darker world that Batman is in the more tragedy that Batman has to be involved and it's all because of Joker and so that makes their dynamic their yin and yang their good and evil their battle even more personal for Batman he has hurt now several members of the Batman family from Barbara to Jason and this book is definitely one of the many that turned Batman comics and made that transition into a much darker dark night from the Silver Age and Bronze Age we saw we saw in the 60s and 70s. Right. So you had mentioned earlier in the show that there were two major points about the killing joke. One being it gave Batman or sorry, it gave Joker the origin story. Right. It gave him the origin and story. And then what was the other point? And then the other point is just the effects it had on Barbara. And I think mm -hmm. now the book is much more memorable because of Joker shooting Barbara. It's right. probably one of the darkest most images and most graphic in Batman's history and it could be argued in DC's 
comics history and of course bat batgirl being shot in the way that it's portrayed in the comics a lot of writers they disagreed they thought this was horrible that they did this to this strong female character i mean batgirl was insanely popular um from her debut in the late 60s and up till now i mean she was a part of the Batman family comics and she had a role right side by side with Batman and Robin and that was the first time you saw a female character within the Batman lore that was a good that was a good guy so popular and so strong and then Joker just kind of destroys that Batgirl vision with this page with him shooting her but then they didn't want her character to become obscure and she was transformed to oracle and i personally love the character oracle but barbara gordon is definitely my favorite batgirl and i'm glad that barbara gordon is batgirl even now in the comics but yes this book was really important because it changed the entire dynamic of barbara gordon's character and they even debated whether or not they wanted to put that in the comic, but they, they just went for it. And I think it was because they didn't think it was going to become canon. I think that was a major part of it. I think that decision to make this within the continuity changed everything. Yeah. So, yeah. So those two, I think, are the major points why this book is still popular today and why they're even making an animated movie about it. I mean, it's a very, it's like I said, it's a graphic, dark book, but it's a great story to read if you want to look at the relationship between Batman and Joker. If you love Joker and you want to see an origin and learn more about this character, and it's just, it's now iconic. And real quick, with regards to Brian Boland, what other stuff did he do? Brian Boland has worked on different books. He's done Gotham Knight and he and he's done different, I guess, prints. And what's more, I think one of my favorites is he's done Legend of the Dark Knight. It's uh, issue 50 and it's images. It's another Joker image. It's Joker holding up a cat and the cat has a smiling face, too. And it's the anniversary issue of that publication. And that's also one of my favorites. And I do. And I also have a statue, a black and white statue of that um, and that images comic. So mm. I love Brian Boland's work. That's another thing. Brian Boland is perhaps my, he's one of my favorite Batman artists, but he is my favorite Joker artist. He's my favorite. He does my favorite interpretation of Joker. Even more than Kelly Jones? Of Joker. Okay. Okay. Yes. But I just uh, of sure. all of he's Kelly Jones, is my favorite Batman artist okay. of all, but Joker. I love Brian Boland's interpretation of Joker. Yes. Well, I will tell you, favorite. he seems to have nailed crazy. <laughs> Definitely. Cause if you look at these pictures, which I'm flipping through right now. Wow. This is the Joker. Yeah. This is everything that anyone would ever think about. And stereotype the Joker to be. Mm-hmm. This is it. And this scene, or this panel where he's holding his hair with both hands, and there's right. just the ha 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 all around the back. Yes. And that is so typically Joker. <laughs> I just, that's it. Yes. And what's an also fun side note that uh, Jack Nicholson, when he was working on his his Joker character and Tim Burton's Batman and Heath Ledger who was working on his Joker portrayal in The Dark Knight, they both used this graphic novel as inspiration for their characters. So it is definitely one of the top Joker stories to read if you are a Joker fan. 
definitely top five, top three. I would argue the one you should read. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, London, for sharing. No, thank you. It's it's my favorite. So. There you go. <laughs> so I was trying to save this one for something special, but hearing the, the voice cast and the animated movie, I thought, oh, I have to. <laughs> and you're giving people time to go out and get the book yes, themselves. Yes, you do have time to go out and read it before the movie comes out. All right. Well, <laughs> go get your book. Come to Meltdown on Sunset. Get the killing joke it's here and if not they'll order it for you because i know it sells out pretty much every time it's yes, in stock it does and i think we had a conversation a while back where it was the number one graphic novel it was still so yes it's it's, it's amazing it, it <laughs> stood the test of time and continues to do so yes so come to meltdown buy the comic book you can also come to meltdown and Join up with Melthology. That's a monthly comics jam and draw your own interpretation of the Killing Joke cover. That would actually be a cool thing to get everyone to do their own interpretation of the Killing Joke cover, but maybe of different characters of just anyone taking yeah, that weird taking picture. That, yes, I that mean, would be cool. <laughs> and you can do that every third Tuesday of the month here at Meltdown. You show up at Meltdown at 7 p.m., draw a page of whatever you want at 9.30. The art is collected and $3 for printing costs. And then when you come back the next month, all the people's contributions are compiled into a zine, and you get to enjoy it. Take it home. There's no set theme. All skill levels are welcome, and all contributors get 10% off their Meltdown purchase. So come on in to Meltdown and do something fun. You can also check out all the ongoings here at MeltComics.com. London, how can people find the ongoings of you? Well, if you have any comments about this episode or past episodes or any suggestions for future episodes, I, I'm always open to suggestions. Please email me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. You can always reach me on Instagram. That's, I think, right now my biggest uh, Batman community is on Instagram.com slash History of the Batman. You can um, tweet at twitter.com slash hist of the Batman. You can like on Facebook at facebook.com slash history of the Batman and follow on history of the Batman.tumblr.com. So yes, please email me. I love any type of feedback and I thank you guys for all the support and all the listens and everything that you guys do. Like it's it's incredible and I, I thank you so much. So yes, please email me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. All right, and real quick, you have an art show coming up. I don't know if we mentioned it this episode, but it's always worth mentioning. Yeah, I do. It is my first History of the Batman art show. It's going to be May 7th at the Hive Gallery, which is in downtown Los Angeles. It's going to run the, run the entire month of May, from May 7th to May 28th, including for during a downtown um, art walk, which is May 12th. And it has a little over a dozen artists. Um, it's going to 
go through a history of Batman from the 1939-1940s all the way to today, ending in a kind of retrospect of Batman and pop culture. And it's going to include many amazing pieces paying homage to particular Batman periods and comics. But also, I have a few DC Comics Batman artists involved that are loaning pieces that are original Batman art from their comics and really capturing just Batman's creative evolution. So I'm really excited about it, working really hard, and I think it's coming together just amazingly. So if you are in Los Angeles and after you get your free comics on Free Comic Book Day, May 7th, you should definitely come to the Hive Gallery and check out the first art show and you can look at it and I'll give you guys more details and you can see it online and everything. But yes, I'm very excited. Are all ages (laughs) welcome? Yes, all ages are welcome. (laughs) All right, so bring your kids. All right, London, well, thank you very much. I would just like to shout out Mason Booker, the engineer and producer of this show. My name is Adam. You can find me at at Wednesday's Finest or at Wens, W-E-D-S, Finest on Twitter. And we hope to hear from you soon. Continue to listen. Thank you very much. And London? Peace, love, and Batman. Batman.